Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Our gospel lesson and sermon text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It is the 10th chapter. And we're going to take a look at verses 21 through 33. So again, this is Matthew chapter 10, verses 21 through Hear now the words of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. He says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about expectations. Because we all have them. Sometimes our expectations are not realistic. Sometimes we think things will be better than they could possibly be, and then we end up being disappointed. Of course, on the other hand, sometimes our expectations are far too low, and we get surprised in a good way. Now, when I began my first semester at Carolina, I had certain expectations of what life in the classroom was going to be like. All throughout high school, by any metric that you could use, I was a good student. Now, I didn't necessarily work that hard. I didn't really develop a set of study skills, per se. The whole time in high school was typically spent with me coming into class and chatting up with teachers and sitting in the back cracking a joke or two, and then collecting an A on test day. 
Why should college be any different? I mean, after all, the graduation speaker told me that the future was mine and that I was going to do great things and for me to go out and be somebody. Did I mention what my class rank was? Did you see all the cords and things I was wearing on graduation signifying all this academic achievement over the previous four years? So loaded up with all this confidence and swagger, I headed off to college, figuring it was going to be business as usual, just on a much larger scale. There was no way that I wasn't ready. There was no way I wasn't going to be successful. There's no way I'm not going to be on the dean's list. Now, my friends, do you want to know what I made on my first college exam? It was Geology 10, otherwise known as Rocks for Jocks, a basic introductory level class. Do you want to know what I, the pride of North Forsyth High School, made on my first college exam? I made a D. A D does not stand for dandy. Now, my second college exam came a few weeks later. It's a math class. It's calculus. Look, I took advanced placement math in high school, and as far as I knew, they hadn't invented any new numbers yet, right? So, obviously, this is my chance to make it up. Guess what I got on my second ever college exam? Another D. Still didn't stand for dandy. So for those of you keeping score, I had come into college with expectations of 4.0s and dean's lists and academic achievements, and now I sat at the midpoint of my first semester in college with a grade point average of 1.0. Needless to say, my expectations were shattered. Because college, friends, is hard. College can be difficult. College is not smooth sailing. And I had a few more rough patches along the way over the next four years. What I had to learn was that, look, it's not going to be easy. That there are going to be challenges. That there was plenty that I did not know. That this world is not all about me and that I cannot simply rely upon my own abilities, that I need to devote time to study and asking questions and reaching out to those who knew more than I did, and I needed to decide exactly what it was that was important and leave all distractions as best I could behind. Now, I wish I could tell you I learned all those lessons that first semester, but it took a little while. But I thought about this shattering of expectations as I read our gospel lesson this morning. Because in our text this week, Jesus prepares his disciples by spelling out exactly what it looks like for those that want to follow him. Now, I think initially the disciples' expectations were pretty high. I mean, we read from chapter 10. If you go back and read chapters 8 and 9, what you see are some incredible and awe-inspiring acts of Jesus. If you go back and read chapters 8 and 9, you see Jesus cleansing a leper, healing a centurion servant, healing Peter's mother-in-law, and then healing all the folks that came into the house after that. 
He calms a raging storm. He heals a demoniac. He heals a paralytic. He healed the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. He restored the little 12-year-old girl to life. He healed two blind men. He healed a man that was mute. And the disciples were there for about all of it. The reign of God was now coming to earth, promising hope and peace for everybody. And so as chapter 10 opens, Jesus gathers the 12 together and says, Look, fellas, I'm sending y'all out now. And I give you authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure all diseases and sicknesses. I want you to cure the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to cast out demons. In other words, all this stuff they had seen Jesus do, now Jesus is turning them loose to go do. And so certainly what would their expectations have been at that moment? Let's go. There's no way we're not going to be successful. There's no way we can't do this. We've seen Jesus do it. And now he's giving us the authority to do it. Man, this is going to be easy. I can't wait to get out there. But it turns out their expectations were a little premature. Because if you continue to read through chapter 10, Jesus wasn't done talking. And so he goes on to talk about not taking payment for their services and how very little they should pack by way of luggage for their journey. He tells them about entering houses and greeting people with words of peace. And if they say peace to you, you stay. If they say, nah, we're good here, you go on. You shake the dust off your sandals and you go to the next house. And that seems all right. But then Jesus keeps on talking. And he talks about them needing to be sheep in the midst of wolves, to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And then Jesus talks about floggings and being turned over to the authorities and about being hauled in front of judges and magistrates but letting the Holy Spirit speak for you. Okay, well, maybe that's not the best. And then Jesus, like a record screeching to a halt, throws cold water on the whole celebration. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. You will be hated by all because of my name. That's not exactly the kind of Bible verse you put on an invitation to a new member class, is it? Now, we, with 2,000 years of hindsight, probably are not surprised because we know how the story goes, don't we? Jesus comes to call God's people to himself to bring healing and hope and to reveal God in truth. And what happens to Jesus? They kill him for it. And so it follows that those that follow him may also have to suffer some things. Why? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to go looking for trouble. He doesn't tell us that either. But when any disciple decides to follow the crucified Lord, they should expect to follow him all the way to the cross. And so my friends this morning, what is your expectation as a Christ follower? Because from what Jesus is laying out to his disciples and by extension you and I this morning, 
means hard time. It means difficulty. It means uncomfortable conversations and situations and events. I've oftentimes used the phrase in here that life is not going to be always rainbows, sunshine, and unicorns, partly to elicit a chuckle or two, but also, friends, because it is the absolute truth. We are not promised an easy life. And if your expectation as a Christ follower is that life is all of a sudden going to be easy, I want you to change that expectation. But I want you to change it into something far, far better. No, friends, we are not promised an easy life, but we are promised an eternal one with our Creator, Redeemer, and Lord. Our expectations as Christ followers must be salvation. Let me say that again. Our expectation as Christ followers must be Salvation. Why? Again, Jesus, the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's a promise. And that promise should bring us hope. Because like Jesus who endured to the point of death, Paul tells us in Hebrews, we endure suffering as we follow him faithfully. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And friends, this endurance leads through death into resurrection where Jesus has promised, listen to me, Jesus has promised to acknowledge before God all who acknowledge and follow Him. To acknowledge before God all who acknowledge and follow Him. Now listen, what Jesus is doing here is He's hearkening back to the book of Psalms, particularly Psalm 91. And Psalm 91, friends, is where I go anytime I face a trial or a difficulty. Let me read it to you. Listen, listen to what Psalm 91 says. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Remember, that's what Jesus said. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him 
and show him my salvation. Friends, what is your expectation as a Christ follower? It should be Psalm 91. It should be Psalm 91. This is our God. Because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him. Friend, because he loves you, he will rescue you. He will protect you. Say it with me. Because he loves me, he will rescue me. He will protect me. That's what God thinks of all of us. Shelter, rest, refuge, safe, cover, shield. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near you. Angels will protect you with us in times of trouble. Friends, do you get the picture? The expectation of resurrection and salvation for those who endure enables us to follow Jesus without fear of whatever it is the world may try to throw at us. Three times in our lesson this morning, Jesus tells us either not to fear or not be afraid. He was, descend, he was sending his disciples to go serve others. He sends you and I to do the same. And so we don't have to be worried about attacks or abuse, even though they may come. We don't need to fear shame or rejection, even if they lie in our path. Courage and service comes with the certainty that our Lord values us much, much more than a sparrow. Now, Jesus' description of discipleship here may not sit well with those who expect life in Christ to be a walk in the park. But friends, my job is not to sugarcoat the life of discipleship. It's instead to give you an assurance of hope that we are called to follow Jesus in courageous service even in times of trial and tribulation. But that calling and that service has with it the promise of salvation that removes all fear. So come to Him. Come to Him and acknowledge His name. Come to Him and confess His name. Come to Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength with the expectation that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. And will always be a source of refuge, strength, rest, and protection in whatever causes you suffering or distress. I want to close with a few words from the Reverend J.C. Ryle. He writes, Let us keep before our eyes the providential care of God over us. Let us take comfort in the thought that all around us is God's hand. Our bodies, our souls, our characters are all in His safekeeping. No disease can seize us, no hand can hurt us. And those who try to do good should continually remember the day when they shall meet their Lord to receive their final portion. If they would have Him own them and confess them before His Father's throne, they must not be ashamed to own and confess him before the men of this world. To do it may cost us much. It may bring on us laughter, mockery, persecution, and scorn. But let us not be laughed out of heaven. Let us recollect the great and dreadful day of account and not be afraid to show men that we love Christ and want them to know and love him also. I rewrite that to say... Let us not be afraid to show the world that we love Christ 
and want the world to know and love him also. Because, friends, the expectation of a Christ follower can be no less than that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.